0: The basement astrologers, coming to you live from the city of destiny, Tacoma, Washington, and from Brooklyn, New York. With me today is Bruja, astrologer, poet Ari Felix. Say hey, hi to everyone, Ari. What's up? What's good? I am uh, really excited <clears throat> that Ari could make it back. We had a uh, audio tragedy, uh, yeah. <laughs> and this time it was my fault. Uh, Zoom hosed one other podcast, but this was my first flub. I'm blaming you, Mercury. Um, this has been a heck of a, a retrograde, which is funny because I I felt like it would almost be a reprieve, right? Everything's been so nuts. Mm. Um, but I've been feeling it big time. Uh, so traditional first question, Ari, how did you get into all this fun woo stuff? How did I get into
1: it? So, um, on the one hand, I was born into it. (laughs) coming from like a really strong matrilineal line of of undercover brujas and um, medicine women and village midwives in puerto rico um and i was raised really religiously so that was kind of the container for most of my life um and then senior year of high school which was a decade ago. Um, I was doing some research for a project or something. And uh, I happened upon this site that had like, now looking back was just like really rudimentary um, descriptions of the sun signs, but at the time I was like reading for Scorpio, and I was like, Oh my God, like this is everything i haven't been able to articulate about myself. I think I was like crying, I just felt so seen and understood by this random website <laughs> um, <laughs> and like a hole in the internet, and yeah, I just I became obsessed, um, and that kind of began at that point, I was already at sitting organized religion um not in necessarily a dramatic way, just in a like, I didn't resonate with um, the structure of practice. At that time it was um, Judaism. And so, uh, yeah, I just became obsessed and I would stay up till like two, 3 a.m. Like, it's actually very cliche under my covers, like with my (laughs) like tiny phone, whatever was diversion back then and like scrolling through all these sites and reading and studying. Yeah, so that was like that was the origin point of like where I'm at now. So it's this mixture of like coming from a very magical indigenous, um, an Afro-Indigenous lineage, and then like finding astrology on my own.
0: But I was really dedicated to those Saturnian practices where people got together and followed specific practices. Is that right?
1: Say the first part again.
0: But seemingly also raised with some of those Saturnian practices. Um, because uh, mm-hmm. if I recall correctly, you practiced Christianity and then your family converted to Judaism, which is the religion most often tied to Saturn directly.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was a lot of that. There was a lot of that. And um, I was really like my exit from organized religion was really about um respecting the essence of judaism in that case um but also knowing that that's just not where where i was at um anymore
0: so did you what ch- is ari your given name or did you take it from uh part of your jewish practice
1: oh no that's my given name ariana
0: oh okay that's uh my little brother's name's ari
1: cute yeah yeah i shortened it um for like gender slash Easier to pronounce reasons. It
0: also means lion, which is badass. You've got the main. I know. Thing. Yeah.
1: yeah, I I thought it was uh, really interesting actually. Um, as a Leo rising,
0: I was uh, just I gonna ask. That's awesome. Name. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you check out um, Ari's Twitter uh, profile too, uh, Saltwater Stars. Is that right? is that your Twitter follow salt just saltwater? Saltwater stars, yeah. Saltwater star. Star. You'll see she's got some great uh, photos with the Leo rising hair. That's, I think Leo rising oh, is yeah, my yeah. number one. I can tell, I'm not the best at, at picking out the rising signs, but with the Leo, there's always the hair. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. The hair, sometimes the cat eyes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, so where I really want to go is um, how you practice astrology. So you were raised... Um, by Bruja, uh, this idea that um, folks would come to your family, to your mother, for some of that indigenous kind of magical knowledge. Is that right?
1: Yeah, at the time, because, um, you know, of the impact of colonization, it wasn't, like, we didn't use the word Bruja, we didn't um, even really understand ourselves as indigenous, um, because part of the colonization of Puerto Rico is that we're conditioned and taught to think that it's just like, the nationality is our ethnicity, you know? Um, And so, yeah. So it's really just more of this like retrospect realization of what was actually happening. Um, But my mother was raised by her mother with the understanding that they had spiritual gifts, you know, of discernment and uh, intuition. Really, they're just psychics. That's what the secular world would call them. yeah. So I grew up with, you know, listening to my mother on the phone for hours, like with um, people from church or people from synagogue or old friends or whatever, you know, giving advice and basically doing, you know, what again, the secular world would call energetic and spiritual clearing.
0: I just love um, throwing synagogue in there. Um, Yeah. I I think it's awesome. And how did the conversion take place? Was your mother just interested in the religion was there a relationship in there i mean it just it's such an involved um thing to do um that just the idea that it was just oh you know we did that for a decade that it was all over is great i just uh i love that <laughs> and i think it talks a lot about you being brought up with um a link to the backstage uh, gods really as like the centerpiece of your family and then even in your mom's resting time you were involved with her um you know as kind of a traditional place where people would come for you know for, for the answers they couldn't get from the rest of society
1: Mhm. Mm-hmm. yeah i mean my mom still practices um actively and i actually i would have to go back and ask her exactly what went down um but from memory so we went from christianity to messianic judaism mm-hmm. so it was this uh, like mm-hmm. thing um to judaism itself and um yeah i think she just really resonated with and really called to her and it wasn't until after we had been in synagogue for some years that we found out um that were actually like blood jewish um on my my mother's grandfather's side which is really common on the island because a lot of spaniards were jews um and so there are like synagogues all over the island especially in san juan and stuff like that so yeah but it's kind of funny what was really like ancestral resonance and then like after the fact finding out the like you know um third dimension reality of being jewish
0: that's interesting to link that together uh because um just knowing what happened to the jewish population the iberian peninsula um mm-hmm. just basically the complete wipeout and slaughter of the tradition um mm-hmm to know that uh they there was a population that was so well integrated that they actually were part of international expeditions like i, I guess i haven't really pondered that before mm-hmm. um the sephardic tradition is is so i'm an ashkenazi do meaning uh from eastern europe from russia and uh and the areas um like around the like poland and czechoslovakia um there was a huge Jewish population in the Iberian Peninsula and in Greece mm-hmm. um, that was more or less wiped out. I mean, if, if anyone's traveled in those areas, almost every town has a story of, you know, there was the Inquisition, but there was also just raids in towns. Um, so that's fascinating. Um, so it was like a, it was like another ancestral fit. Um, mm-hmm. It was like coming home. Uh, mm-hmm. So when you. Um, commune with the uh the backstage how How much does your formal religious background come into play?
1: mhm. Do you have a background in theater?
0: A little bit. I mean, I was mostly sang. I wrestled so I couldn't do the musicals and stuff. <laughs> Why? Why do you think that? Because I'm talking with my hands.
1: <laughs> oh, no, just the use of the term backstage. I never heard it in this concept. And I think it's really clever. <laughs>
0: Carolyn Casey uses it and she's the greatest. Mm. And I found that I don't have a good way of expressing it. And so I thought, you know what? Backstage kind of fits everything. Whatever anyone's working with, they can get yeah. backstage. I'm going to start taking it. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Word, okay. So, how much does like um, the traditional slash religious practices
0: when you're when you're communing when you're in... I know that when I really um, connected most deeply to my Jewish background and understood that that was the place I was going to um, live my life and raise my kids. When I've had some of those deep meditative moments, and that's how I've connected to. The backstage right. and, and i think a lot of that has to do with with ancestral work mm-hmm. um because obviously um uh, half of my lineage is is was all jewish to various degrees of of practice um mm-hmm. so i, I ca- i'm kind of asking you the same question um i think um just based on our conversation and conversations that you have a more expansive link to the backstage than i think i do i think i'm more um, uh more focused and that's not I don't that no judgment on that term I just don't mm-hmm. have a better one um I I I would imagine that you have a larger branch out and hopefully we get to talk about that a little more um you're a little more of a spiritual sponge than I am and again I mean that as a compliment um <laughs> so when you are working with the backstage how much of that um that former religious practice comes into it. And I guess I'm sort of asking because when you think of sometimes folks talk about um, some of the magic that's going on now, and I know that you have some experience with that, um, they, they'll give lots of angles to access uh, whatever practice you're doing. Um, so you could go to the saints or you could use Psalms or yeah, it could okay. be just pure chaos magic, or you could mix it all together. Um, So I guess that's where my question's coming from.
1: Got you, got you. Yeah, so um, I think that it's funny that you brought up chaos magic because recently, like I think earlier this year, I realized that what my matrilineal line really is, uh, um, they're really chaos magicians, you know? And so even like looking at my mother's like um, religious changes, like going through all these different religions. And now, you know, she still practices Judaism, but she also has like all these other tools and and things to pull from. So obviously I'm in the same position. And so, yeah, it is a bit of chaos magic. So like I work with altars um, and I do a lot of dream work and um, yeah, the rest of it, that's that's really for me as uh, structured as it gets you know um aside from like whatever astrological magic i might do uh and so yeah altar work and dream work is the container for that so yeah it is pretty much um i guess the word that's coming to mind is like an open channel you know like i don't have super um specific things i do Uh, differently than than my mother, my ancestral resonance, my my deepest ancestral resonance resonance is with my um, Afro-Indigenous line. And so um, I have a lot of connection to IFA and, you know, um, the ways that that's integrated into a lot of Caribbean culture and in my own spiritual practice, like that has shown up a lot. Um, But yeah, it's really... I've really come to understand that 90% of what I do is listening, you know, I'm just listening. And I think that that's um, a little different than um, having a more structured or um, traditional type of practice, you know, so like my relationship to being a buduha is really freeform. I'd say. And I like to use that spiritual sponge. Um, really, you know, another way for um, everyone else listening to understand this is that I'm Pisces moon.
0: <laughs> so <I really laughs> just,
1: there's a lot of, yeah, a lot of that like watery Jupiter. stuff. So.
0: I love that because I think you could just say <laughs> spiritual sponge and that would in, oftentimes just describe a Pisces moon. Right,
1: right. <laughs>
0: um, so you're completely rote in astrology, in fact, I think we met in some chat rooms at Norwalk. Yeah. Um, and you also uh, are are fluent in brujia. Um, when people come and sit in session with you, what is the mix? Um, how do you how do you practice with your unique blend of talents and skills?
1: Mm-hmm. I love that question because I feel like it's something that I've gotten um, super clear on recently. Um, so I've been practicing astrology for 10 years. I have a diploma from the Academy of Astro-Psychology. And so um, my, my astro- astrological roots are very much so in um, astrological psychology. And I've kind of like veered from that um, somewhat in. You know, now I practice traditional astrology. And then, of course, still the, the psychological astrology is woven in there inevitably. Um, and so that's kind of like the technical framework. And then I've really it's been a journey to come to allowing myself to surrender to what actually happens in a reading, which is a lot of um, channeling. You know, it's a lot of channeling and it's a lot of that same work that I grew up like listening to my mother do um, before we like really understood what exactly it was um, in a concept outside of like religion. And so it's a lot of channeling. And from the beginning, I was always really passionate about my readings being conversations. I don't, um, I don't have the skill necessarily or like it's not like one of my strengths or my superpowers to do technical delineations and just like offer people that kind of like overview which I think is really helpful you know that's been really helpful to me um over the years but uh so I like was trying to do that you know back in the beginning and then realized it wasn't really fitting because what would happen anyway was that the conversation would just evolve into like talking about what whatever the querent needed to talk about, you know, and needed to like emotionally process. And so coming to understanding that astrology is just a tool for this um, spiritual and emotional work. And that's where my strength and my superpower is, you know? And so it's really just like a way in. And so similar to like tarot or other divination practices, right? A way into um, the spiritual, emotional, energetic clearing and calibration. That uh, needs to happen for someone to access their um, their power and their clarity, you know, and just kind of like get a deeper solidification in their own knowing. If as a sense.
0: as a Pisces moon, do you is this part of serving your moon? So a lot of people talk about doing their moon work as doing things to, as self care. Um, uh, your moon's a place where uh, one can feel comforted doing the moon work. <laughs> it's a little different than the Saturn work. Saturn works kind of like the whip at your back. Uh, and the, the moon's a little more like uh, your comfy place when you're doing this work. Is this, uh, is this part of self care for you? Do you feel like you're um, you're really feeding your internal life?
1: mm <laughs> I think that I didn't realize that until until I came to like accept the nature of my work and what it is exactly I'm doing and reading. Um, yeah, it is, it is deeply nourishing to me and um, affirming and like keeps me from compartmentalizing that side of myself. And so uh, it's interesting I brought up Saturn too because it's making... I hadn't really thought about it before but so i have saturn in the seventh house and my moon in the eighth house and so i think like i bring both of those components you know that kind of like saturnine like counseling and you know just really like being um firm and clear with people you know and having the structured container and then like inside of that saturn in the seventh house the moon in pisces happens um but yeah so i i do think that It is very much so um, caring for my soul and caring for myself because before that I was in so much self-rejection and like frustration about like, why could it be more linear? Why couldn't it be more Saturn basically? You know, why couldn't it be more technical? And I was like, wait, do I even know astrology then? Like am I, you know, and it's like, I'm years in, I have a diploma, you know, and I'm like, do I even know what I'm doing? And it's like, (laughs) yes, I do. It's just. It's super um,
0: healthy to think that. Right. It really is. I think so.
1: Yeah, yeah, and also I needed to, like, find my way, like, out of that into, into you know, a support of Saturn, where I'm like, yes, I do know what I'm doing, and this is, like, this is how I'm using this tool, you know?
0: Well, you're entering that that phase, for sure, where all that will be tested. How was the initial uh, dunk of Saturn, of your Saturn return? You had the preview.
1: Yeah, it was great. I, I feel like... Um, and I don't know, this is probably controversial, but I'm going to say it anyway. I feel like having been um, deep in spiritual practice for 20 years now has really changed like my expectations and my relationship to my Saturn return. And so it feels a lot more like an integration than like this initiation into adulthood or anything like that. And I did a Saturn um, workshop. I did two this year so far. And you know, uh, in the Aquarius one, I was talking about, like, how as, like, Black and Indigenous and, you know, other people of color, like, so often our Saturn returns are different because we've been expected to be adults mm. from young ages. And so the cultural concepts, I think, changes the way that the Saturn return is going to actualize. I not that it's not still going to be lessons and all that stuff. You know, I definitely had, with that Seventh-out Saturn, definitely had relationship stuff come up where I was like oh you know more boundaries and more space and more um again that like being like oh I I do know I do know who I am and I do know what I'm doing type of thing um but otherwise it's it felt really like just uh, I don't know I want to use the word soothing which is so not sad, but this really like <laughs> soothing like integration and just feeling like oh okay yes you know like really feeling in my bones and really feeling and like that i have a spine like literally and metaphorically so yeah
0: i love that um so i don't uh i had uh sean nygaard on to talk about saturn aquarius and it was a Mm -hmm. really great talk he's so good um but this idea that there was relief from sat when saturn Mm -hmm. became no less powerful right but it's mm-hmm. um, moving out of Capricorn into Aquarius felt lighter. And it makes sense, air, right? But mm-hmm. that sense of backbone, I love that you put it that way because I love to think of Saturn and Aquarius as the crystallization of ideas. My, exactly. my example is always novels, right? Mm-hmm. But th- it felt like these, these principles um, that had been uh, brought up by the millennium millennial generation and now fully adopted, and integrated by the zoomers suddenly um, zoomers. like a, I love, I like zoomer. I like that. I, uh, it was like, and I, I don't mean this in a pejorative way. It was almost like when Saturn entered Aquarius, the golem had the symbol drawn on the forehead and like the backbone went into and like, you know, alive. Like there's a way to express mm-hmm. this because all of that juice was packed in. It it wasn't like it didn't exist. Mm -hmm. It just finally, there was an animating principle, Mm -hmm. um, which I think is so Saturn and Aquarius. It's, uh, you know, your rules will be enforced. You know, the boundaries, Mm -hmm. Saturn's entering the future. I loved it. I love this Kelly Lee Phipps line. Saturn is the time Lord. And right Mm -hmm. now in Capricorn, Saturn is especially powerful when we talk about the past. But you can't give Saturn time and not give Saturn the future. And when Saturn entered Aquarius, Saturn was entering the future.
1: I love that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Uh, so I felt like that on a personal level, you know, like entering my future.
0: So can we talk a little bit about the population you serve?
1: Yeah. Um, So it was really interesting the beginning of my practice it was a lot of white women uh in sociology and it was uh and then like when i became politically radicalized um that's when like
0: (laughs) it wasn't by serving white women was it
1: (laughs) (laughs) um this is like six five six years ago when i was radicalized um i I was like oh no 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 like this is not this is not the avenue going down and because they they weren't radicalized you know and so it was just and then it started turning into like can you tell me how to how to like treat my um adopted um like my adopted black grandchild and stuff like that and i'm like i'm not a like anti-racism educator like just because you see that i'm like politically radicalized so Yeah, so then, like, it wasn't any clear um, set boundaries, like, it was energetic boundaries. Whereas, like, I want to work with um, my people, like, I want to work with uh, Black and Indigenous and Caribbean and, um, you know, other people of color, like, people who are um, most impacted, like, in the same ways that I am, or similar ways by the hierarchy, by these intersecting systems of oppression, you know' Cause, and also because I felt like I was like staying in my lane in a way, you know, um talking about what I know, right, and so um, yeah, so it fortunately, over time, like with the, that that clarity and those energetic boundaries, like now I'm at the point where I work mostly with um, bipoc who are uh, in movement work in some capacity and magical work in some capacity and um, who are committed to healing justice in some capacity, and um, I also have the pleasure of working with um, white people who are engaged in their own process of decolonization. You know, and so both are great. Um, and like everyone, including myself, is clear about where my priorities lie and who I'm here to serve. You know, um, who I'm here to invest my resources and and my blessings and my gifts into. You know. Um, primarily. And then from there, it kind of like trickles out, you know? Um, So yeah, so that's, that's who I'm passionate about serving and that's who I'm fortunate to have the privilege of spending most of my one-on-one time with.
0: um, How do folks, uh, so that, that's a segment of society, right? Um, Do folks from that population, um, find you by word of mouth. Um, so let's say you go and you hang up a flyer around town. I feel like the most likely people who are going to end up knocking your door are, um, the ladies from the yoga studio, right? I mean, doesn't that make sense?
1: Yes. That's Uh, a very accurate example for Riley. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Um, but it seems like you, then you, your practice is now focused in another community. Um, so I guess the question is, um, did it just take time to cultivate your client base? Like, are are there a lot of people who come back repeatedly or is it just sort of, uh, like you become a magnet, um, for the right type of folk to come see you?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's definitely, uh, the magnet thing. Like I'm, I'm not, um, I don't beat around the bush when it comes to my political priorities and my like my radical practice and so that in itself is a filter you know and being very like anti-respectability politics in itself is a big filter for like whiteness and so um yeah it just kind of like that's how I was saying like energetic boundaries because it just kind of um evolved into that on its own you know and then like I said like I'm still working with everyone quote unquote you Mm -hmm. know but we all have some kind of shared values and shared priorities. And so being really transparent and blunt about um, who I am and why I'm here and like what I believe is just, it's a default filter, you know?
0: I kind of uh, like the way you're talking about this and I feel like you might have a niche. This might be part of your, um, your Saturn return of being almost like an astrological dominatrix for the Karens coming (laughs) The yoga studio, Uh,
1: (laughs) in a way, like I guess, like uh, in a um, what is that, like by default way, but uh, not in a way where I'm like working directly with them.
0: No, but um, can you see where I'm going with that? Like I can imagine folks coming to you and you being like, "We're not. I'm not putting up with any of that. That bullshit." Right. Yeah.
1: If if they were to try, yeah.
0: Right. So, like, (laughs) first of all, the nonsense you're spouting is going to get put over here. Like, this is what we're talking about. And I can imagine, can't you, a few of them like really being like, wow, this is what I need.
1: Oh, that's, yeah, that ha- that's happened. Like when I was making that transition between like, wait, 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 like this is not like what I'm here to do or like who I'm here to serve. Um, yeah, I would had a lot of those experiences. So you're actually talking about the past. <laughs> that's what you're picking up on.
0: <laughs> no, I really, uh, I really like that. I mean, obviously that kind of, uh, interaction is something people really like. Um, so the last time we talked, you talked about something called the turtle tank and you talked about turtle Island. And I want to revisit this cause I love both these terms, um, and I want to share them. Um, so can you just tell us, I mean, just for folks who don't know what, uh, what the turtle tank is and what turtle Island means?
1: Yeah, so Turtle Island is the indigenous name for the continent of North America. And then separate from that, uh, Turtle Tank is a a freedom school, a radical freedom school, um, school for radical freedom. Uh, And so it's for people, for creatives and uh, entrepreneurs, people running enterprises who want to do so from basically a a decolonial uh, radical practice.
0: Are you familiar with Terry Pratchett?
1: Sounds familiar, but I don't
0: know. So, so he was a British uh, fantasy uh, writer. He wrote The Color of Magic series. Um, and his uh, metaphysics of the world he created was um, a, a flat circle world people live on, and it was sitting on the back of a turtle.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it's one of the... Um... One of the indigenous stories, and forgive me, I forget the, the peoples specifically, but one of the indigenous stories of the birth of the world is uh, that it happened on a turtle's back. And that's where, like, where the world started. And that's Turtle Island.
0: <clears throat> I love that. I wonder uh, if, if Terry, who is now a blessed memory, knew that story or just picked up on it in the ether. Um, certainly uh, an ally terry is one of the people terry's writings was one of the pathways by which i think we the it, um the magical re-emergence into culture um, was sort of allowed to be accepted mm-hmm. um so you said that you went from um, your background in psychological astrology and now you're picking up on um traditional astrology but you've also mm-hmm. said that you don't um you don't do delineations in like uh, in, in kind of a traditional manner where
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, someone comes in and says, uh, Mars is going to get, my, my natal Mars is going to get hit by Uranus in my second house. And a traditional astrologer might say, how's your car running? Mm-hmm. You know, because uh, this, this is a, a signifier that if if something needs to get fixed, take it in now or you're going to be stuck in the side of the road. How did, how did the traditional um, tools Um, come into your use of astrology
1: Mm -hmm. yeah it's definitely a little bit of that um you know some people need more practicality or want more practicality um so yeah like there is some of the the practical delineation woven in um and I think like depending on what they want to focus on. um, So like they give me in in the form what they want to focus on and then I can use astrology, right? to like see what are things related to these topics and like do all that technical delineating in my own notes and then um, weave it all together. So uh, I do a lot of distillation though. And that's why a lot of that practical um, stuff doesn't, it doesn't get centered because um, like i know it you know what i mean and so i'm weaving it in um mm. but like maybe without the lingo or without the like um the super pragmatic approach it's hard to describe <laughs> i'm having a very Pisces time of this but um <laughs> yeah so it's a lot of distillation and like translation actually um one of the first collaborations i did like years ago I, for uh, a magazine I was writing for my column was called the distilled astrology. Cause it's just, I'm really good at like taking all of that and like just putting it in like um, simpler terms. But yeah, it's that kind of stuff of like, you know, how's this, that, or the other thing because of this going on, like that's definitely factored in. Um, but it's also, you know, because of this, this magnet, this clarity of intention that I've created People aren't necessarily coming to me for that anyway. You know what I mean?
0: I do, and it—it it sounds that's by the way a gift to be able to take the technical and make it vernacular. Um, I I can struggle, and I oftentimes then try to talk in analogy, which I think's good too. I don't, oh, I don't yeah. think tons of analogy. <laughs> um. So it sounds like you, um. You you picked up these tools. You added the traditional stuff to your astrological kung fu. But mostly, when you take out um, that particular bow staff or whatever, um, it's to consume more astrological info. And then when you're sitting with client, um, you know that the lingo is just set aside. That's just you you know Mm -hmm. that stuff so that you can absorb more and be in Mm -hmm. uh, communication with with your astro folks. Is that right?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to put it. And, and also, there's this aspect here that I learned from Turtle Tank, which is about um, learning sovereignty, you know, which I think is a concept in other, other circles and stuff as well. And so, like, you know, I pay attention to to the person that I'm working with and what their, their learning style or what their, you know, Mm. and this is where this, this like psychic stuff comes in, you know, um, the listening comes in. And so, uh, like yesterday I had a client and we went into a lot more of the astrolingo and stuff because that was really exciting and nourishing to them. They were like, they, um, they could understand, you know, but with another client, they might get lost with that, you know? Um, and so Yeah, it's definitely like every single reading is unique and different and um, in response to the needs of who I'm working with and the conversation that that happens. Like, I can have, like, this will happen so much. I'll have, like, a page of notes. And then, like, we talk about, like, barely any of it because what we're actually doing is that energetic, emotional clearing work. And a lot of that um, honestly comes down to. Uh, decolonization, like so much of what's in the way of people like with these big life questions that they have, you know or these like interpersonal or personal frustrations or tensions that they have, so much of it comes down to the way that um colonization and capitalism and racism and um all these things impact us, and so like this is where my you know um years of socio-political education and like developing a radical practice and analysis come in because I'm able to like get to the root, which is what radical means, like get to the root of like what the, what the, uh, you know, quote unquote issue is or the desire is, you know? And um, astrology for me is a way to talk about these things, you know, it's it's reflective, right? So it's, it's a way to talk about um, these things, that isn't as abstract as capitalism and colonialism might be sometimes but i'm still explicitly naming those things you know and so yeah we sometimes we might not even talk about the astrology we're just talking about like how um how the patriarchy is in between you and this desire that you have you know like the internalization of that
0: so um it sounds like you're almost when you take notes clearing your astrological palette. And then when you sit in session with a client, um, you're connecting with them on a whole nother level. Is that where some of your psychic gifts come into play?
1: hmm Absolutely. Yeah, it's kind of like I don't like it's not up to me what happens in a reading really. You know, I'm it's my responsibility to hold the container and to um to offer my gifts and to respond to the person, but yeah that's where the channeling comes in like and you know it might be channeling their ancestors or their guides or you know are my my spiritual team you know talking to me about about what's needed in the moment for them to receive um but yeah that's and this, this is what it was so hard for me to come to terms with and accept you know and so uh yeah, it's still, it's still difficult to put language to it. But it's also I'm not, I don't necessarily feel the need to um, over articulate it, because it is so sacred. And it is so inexplicable. you know, it's the mystery of magic. It's the mystery of like, working um, multidimensionally, you know, and so I do have a relationship to the planets. And, you know, the entire like astrological system as, as living energy, you know, not just as this like, um, simple simply like archetypal framework math,
0: math problem
1: yeah yeah it is very very real to me just like nature and you know talking to trees and water um and so it's just um
0: <laughs> at risk of <laughs> psychoanalyzing you and and leaning back <laughs> on your um your eighth house pisces moon um, mm. It sounds like, in a lot of ways, when you were working with Karen from the yoga studio, I'm just going to keep saying that because it's fun, (laughs) uh, that was just not, that was not nourishing to you.
1: Oh, no, no. I think it's some people's work to take on, um, like, whiteness in that direct way, Uh, but that's not, that's not... Necessarily, my work at this time, and there, there's a way that it inevitably factors in because taking on whiteness is part of decolonization, and you know, taking on whiteness inside out. Um, but yeah, I had to get clear that my work isn't like to um, be part of that initiatory, transitionary period of of white people realizing that white is a construct to begin with, and there's this whole process of decolonization ahead of them, you know, once they're in there, you know, then we can, we can talk and I can support.
0: Right. So if you think of your job as like a, uh, it, I, I think I used this phrase last time. You're like giving people's souls a hug, right? <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
0: But Karen, um, when you sit in session with Karen, what you're seeing are open doors and your job would be, this is what the system gave you all these open doors. When you're sitting in session with one of your folks, you're saying, look, I'm here to help you open these doors. And one of the things we're going to realize together is that they've been closed. And one of my jobs is to give you a hug while that's sinking in.
1: Beautiful. Yes.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I could see, again, Pisces moon. Like, one of those things is really nourishing. It's like what a Pisces is for. Oh, we're we need to cry and we'll hug. And, and one of them's <laughs> not at all. Like
1: Yeah, like, one of them's way more Saturn, right?
0: Right, right, yeah. right. Um because yeah, because you're you're um you're laying it down. Like these are these are where the boundaries are. Um and uh and explaining to people why the boundaries really weren't there for them is not I mean most most Karens aren't ready to hear that. And even if they are like you've identified it as not your work to do a 10 Mm -hmm. session um, introduction to (laughs) how. Yeah.
1: uh, Yeah. And if I'm going to use astrology as a tool for decolonization, like it can be used in very specific ways. And I feel like what's most useful at that juncture may not, for me, like in my practice is not astrology what's most useful in that juncture is sociopolitical education and like anti-racism 101 stuff and so that doesn't need to happen in astrological reading and probably really shouldn't you know i can't because it's way too personal right it's like way too hyper individualistic and so astrology can be used as a tool for decolonization but i do believe as in all crafts and practices that there is a certain amount of discernment that needs to be applied to know when to use what tool, and how?
0: So, uh, and there's a the Saturn <laughs> free, free free business advice that you probably don't want. Um, <laughs> I I think that you are in such a great position to educate Karen, but you should charge Karen a shitload and call it what it is.
1: Uh, no, I'm not. I'm not interested in capitalizing on. Um,
0: but then you can use those resources to provide services to people mm-hmm. you want to serve. That's. Oh,
1: yeah. I'm very familiar with the concept. It's a okay. popular one in, in the social justice uh, community. Um, but it's not worth the energetic drain for me, you know, again, it's not my work. So I'm not going to take on what's not my work when there are people who that is their work and like, let them make that money.
0: I just love the backbone with which you say it. Like, I feel like you'd be so good (laughs) at it. Like, I feel like you'd just lay it down and you wouldn't because there's, I, I think that that type of work once engaged by the party that needs it done can't be done with kick gloves. And I feel like you're like the fact that you're so dismissive of it makes me even more convinced that you'd be good at it. Cause you're like, fine, if I got to do this, we're going to do it.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Anyways, that's my two cents. Um, so, um, that was wonderful. And, and you're doing work, um, that's so different than most of the folks I have on. Uh, and I really love it and I like you so much and you're so smart and so good at stuff. Thank um, you. <laughs> I, I had pulled some mystery charts that I ended up doing with Dion. It was great. I want to with you. I want to talk a little bit more about a concept, and that concept has to do with Pluto, because um, I've been thinking about Pluto a lot um, for kind of obvious reasons. <laughs> um, we're living in a plutonic time. When you, uh, I know that you you originally studied more psychological, and oftentimes those folks deal with Pluto a ton uh my background of formal education has way more to do with traditional astrology and we talked about the transits to the outer planets and we talked about and and I've gone through a pluto squaring my moon so i think i, I think i sucked enough pluto into my existence that i i have a grasp <laughs> but when you think of pluto what um h- how do you talk about pluto oh that's,
1: that's a good question um, so full disclosure, mm-hmm. uh, my Mercury is exactly sandwiched between Mars and Pluto and Scorpio. So Pluto on the brain, literally. Um
0: <sighs> I have Pluto can join my moon. I have Pluto on my soul. Yeah, it's moon, great. Pluto people. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, how do I talk about Pluto? You know, it's... How I talk about Pluto has definitely um, changed since my like incorporation of traditional astrology into my practice mm-hmm. uh, a little over two years ago, um, and so I do like I really like that um, analogy, and I know I've heard Chris Brennan say it, and forgive me, I can't remember if he's quoting someone else, but I know you know what I'm talking about. That like Pluto can like like make something really small big and make something really big small so this like magnifying glass when you flip it one way it's huge you flip it the other way it's zoomed out patrick Um, watson
0: one of my one of my favorites
1: (laughs) awesome yeah um so i definitely like resonate with that as the way the pluto shows up i it's actually funny you asked me this because i was thinking last night about uh literally like as i lay my head on the pillow uh pluto and rage um, Ooh. And as I've been thinking a lot about rage, especially like in this movement moment mm-hmm. as a synonym for grief and Ooh. joy and, and love. So this like um, this potency of experience, like I'm not even going to say emotion because like grief isn't an emotion. You know, there are feelings that are associated with grief. Those are emotions, but grief is an experience. And so I've been thinking about, like, what, you know, rage is an experience, joy is an experience, love is an experience, and not necessarily tied to an emotional state of being. And so, uh, and this is like, this is, this understanding has been crucial to, um, you know, being in relationship with what it means to be Afro-Indigenous and what it means to be not white in, uh, on Turtle Island. And so I've been thinking about Pluto, like, as that, like, this kind of, uh, hmm. I feel like volcano inter- imagery is coming to my mind and that feels like programming, <laughs> but just this, like, source <laughs> of, um, <laughs> this source of that, those kinds of experiences, like, those kinds of, like, potent um I don't know, this, is like, larger-than-life, you know, um, experience that's humbling, right? And that is, like, uh, it'll radicalize you or it'll, you know, feel like it's it's destructive to you or it'll, it's just completely, it changes you, you know, just like other outer planets. But I feel like Pluto uh, specifically has this kind of, um, I don't know, this, like, unfuckwithable, energy and so it can be an initiation into that um you know or an experience of that like externally right so like that's where i'm at with pluto i feel like you know uh of course as we all all astrologers know it depends on the chart and the aspects and all that stuff like how Pluto's showing up and how it delineated but on a macro level it really does feel like this um Yeah, this, this, this uh, crisis, you know, and using that word in in a more neutral way, even though, you know, we know Pluto can, tends to favor the more challenging aspects of crisis. Um, But this, this, this crisis initiation, and like thinking about like what crisis does to you like that, Mm. that's Pluto to me, you know, what does crisis do to you? Like it will, it can break you open. You know, and it like, yeah, it restructures your entire psyche, you know, and your entire experience, and it te- it's an enormous teacher, you know, um, and you can you can pass or you can like, you can um, come all on the other side with uh, more. Um, like reliance and more understanding of of that pluto experience more understanding of grief rage love joy like this like immensity um or you can come out you know kind of crumbled and and have to start over you know but like what is crisis is always an initiation um into something and and hopefully i feel like with pluto into greater power you know
0: Rick Levine likes to use the analogy of a caterpillar in a chrysalis becoming a butterfly. Like the <laughs> idea of completely dissolving and then emer- re-emerging.
1: Metamorphosis.
0: Yeah, I think that that fits everything you're saying. and
1: I, um, I love that you say that because I use that analogy so much with Pluto type of stuff.
0: <laughs> I don't think there's any way around it. You have no choice but to build your cocoon and then you're in it and then you dissolve and you get reborn and none of it's comfortable at all. And hopefully, you have wings and are pretty when you're done. <laughs> right, right. that doesn't always happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so i've been I sat through a financial astrology lecture, and i'd never I still don't really have any interest in it, uh, but mostly, I wanted to hear what they were talking about because mm. um, it makes sense. if astrology relates to everything, of course it relates to finances. and the big takeaway for me was this idea that you um, that that stocks that are going to be really big blah 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 fundamentals. Um, <laughs> Sun, Pluto, Jupiter. Oh. And and like Pluto's always in there. And it made me think about huh. Pluto and power. And one thing I've noticed living with a midwife is that any midwife chart I've ever looked at, there's a Pluto luminary oh. aspect, right? Mm.
1: uh um, like, like crisis as a midwife? Like crisis as a midwife? Oh,
0: like constantly. I mean, it's like, you know, well, the birthing process is not always a crisis, and, and midwives are there to keep it not a crisis. That's well. Kind of that's why I
1: said like crisis in a neutral way. Ah, right? yeah, yeah. But yeah. If it's still a crisis. It's still like something happening. <laughs> that
0: intense emotional experience, and there's really nothing to compare to it. But when yeah. folks, when you have a you know Pluto make a hard angle to one of your luminaries, it's going to be that period of time is going <laughs> to feel like an intense uh, crisis
1: in labor contractions. Right. Oh, man,
0: what a great way to put it. Um, and I, and I, and when I think about it, I think about there's there's that aspect of power, right? And if you think about the Patrick Watson example, there's power in seeing things that are really small and there's power in seeing things yeah. that are really big. Yeah. Um, and it made me then think about um, Pluto going on right now, this election season, in a conversation I had with Dion. And it was about... Uh, Biden being, it, her phrase was, a crash test dummy. And how I've been thinking about it was, uh, it's almost like he's a husk. That was the term I used. And now we don't have to worry about Biden. Um, here, political process, you guys have Biden. Here's the thing that you have to pay attention to. And no one else is going to pay attention to that at all. Like that team now can coalesce around a movement. And just this is just the thing you guys get. It's almost and if you think about the power of that generation, we have two Pluto and leo's running um and and pray to the backstage that, that never that that's the end of Pluto and leo I'm still <laughs> over Pluto and leo, but leo's uh that idea of the spotlight, that idea of um that uh, I'll use the term patriarchy form of leadership where you're standing mm. on the podium and in charge, and that's where leo's really. Mm -hmm. Um, really comfortable is with the spotlight on them. And the idea of Pluto, the transformation of Pluto, right? So part of the boomers finally getting washed out of our system is this idea of Pluto transforming that idea of leadership. Um, And and an empty husk is like an empty husk and a failed businessman who was like a reality TV show host as the two final avatars makes a lot of sense, like completely restructuring mm. whenever a white man in a suit who has uh, fake hair stands in front of a crowd again forever the look that they get is different than it was five six years ago I mean that that 's just permanently like that transformation has taken place, and we 're going to have to live with it a little longer, one way or another, but it 's happening mm-hmm. then if you think about Pluto as power you had uh, Obama, who was Pluto in Virgo. And if you think about just the overall way in which Barack Obama wielded power, it was incredibly Virgoan. Um, yeah. Thoughtful, full sentences, full paragraphs, um, following the rules, using the system in as uh, Virgoan a way as you possibly could. And in a lot of ways, um, that form of leadership was not consumed by our culture. Um, it, like we. And how could it be Um, details in the internet generation? Like we only have what, 152 uh, letters put into Twitter, right? Like too many. Like if you have a paragraph, we can't, we can't pay (laughs) attention to it. Um, And I feel like we're just going to skip over Pluto in Virgo. It's just like, I don't think, I don't think Pluto and Virgo is coming back. I think leadership's going to move on to Libra, but I, I guess I wanted to talk a little bit about that idea of Pluto and power.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I think that you addressed it too. This um, Harnessing Pluto is really a process of um, giving over to Pluto. Except in those instances where you can really either make it really small or make it really big and appreciate it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What do you think about that diatribe?
1: That's interesting. First thing I want to first thing I want to say is that um, Dion's pronouns are they them.
0: Oh, did I use a different one? <laughs> Damn it! I was so I wanted to praise them um,
1: <laughs> um, for the
0: crash test dummy. Um,
1: yeah, I'm sure they were brilliant. They're brilliant. Um, and then that's you know that's really interesting, and I, I like this. I've been thinking about it for a while, probably because. So, like, coming from my sociopolitical analysis, like, and then thinking about, like, how we're talking about Pluto right now. So this concept of, like, whoever is, you know, next to represent imperialism from the, quote-unquote, United States of America is in some way a scapegoat um, for the larger the larger agenda of movement power, which is, you know, so be it on its way to replacing imperialist power uh, or not replacing, but like um, removing imperialist power. And uh, I'm thinking of like, like you're bringing up Obama and, you know, when you're in this Pluto process, like what happens if you, decide to stay mush you know what happens if you you resist the transmutation you know you'll stay mush well you'll never like actually realize your um your power right or your potential and so thinking about like um even having obama and having that like difference between the pluto and leo and pluto and virgo but there was still you know he still represented this resistance to that transmutation process because to you know be in any position of power in, in in imperialism is to perpetuate imperialism you know and he was no different a president than any of the presidents we've ever had because you can't be if you're president um and so like him out that even like that almost there-ish energy, you know, where it's like okay, virgo's is like better than than Leo <laughs> in a way, but but Pluto is still being resisted, and so we still end up where we are right now, because there was no actual, there's no actual actual like change or transmutation of the structures and dynamics of power, you know, um, changing generations. And so I like this concept that you're saying of like skipping over a Pluto generation to another generation um but here's where like my political analysis comes in is like this is why we need abolition now because it doesn't matter what pluto is in power the whole point is that no one should be in that power you know the whole point is that the whole entire thing pluto and capricorn right that whole entire saturnine structure it has to be transmutated has to be destroyed because it's it's, it's rooted pluto in Violence. It's rooted in, in massacre, in genocide, in slavery, in just the, the worst of the worst, the horrors of the horrors. And anyone who is going to be participating in, that, um, in those systems is, is a representative of them, regardless of whether they're trying to change from the inside or not. You know, like that's just a hyper individualistic approach to what is a generational outer planet issue you know, and so it, I, you know, there are differences with what generation is, is in the house. Um, but the point is, is that the house needs to be burned down.
0: That's, that's what I was hoping. Um, that was what I was hoping to get, uh, as a response in it, <laughs> uh, because I wanted your perspective out there that, um, which is fantastic. Um, but I also really liked when you talked about the idea of um, fighting Pluto. What do you get? Like, you just get mush. You just I, stay mush. I, I literally think of that term that they use, crash test dummy. It's like, this is what you get. Mm. This You just get a crash test dummy. There you go. You fought it. Um, you didn't let the transformation of authority take place, which is the boober generation. I mean, we have so many people 80 and over serving in our democracy. It's like, mm-hmm. it's just unbelievable. And like, if you, don't
1: you all need to take a rest? Don't you need to relax? Why like, would you even you want to still be break? doing it?
0: I don't. <laughs> no, I mean, this has yeah. to have happened through history and I, I'm not that rote, but this idea of just clinging to power and in addition, folks are living longer. So it's like folks didn't even live that long back in the day. <laughs> and, I mean, we have so many folks just propped up um, like, crash test dummies just being waddled in you know and think of the pills think of like the oh pills God. Nancy Pelosi has on her like counter in her bathroom I bet it's like a briefcase
1: <laughs> yeah I think we're ready for this this Jupiter uh, Saturn and Aquarius I'm,
0: <laughs> I'm looking forward to it um <laughs> And I, I hold less radical views than yourself. I'm probably more in line with Dion, and the thing that I really hope gets ushered in with Saturn and Aquarius um, because I fundamentally, when I look at the breach of history, think that one form of democracy or another um, based on on just human nature is it's one of the best places we can do until we get enough folks on board to um, to agree to make a wholesale change. But that's a whole longer conversation that I'm sure you would stomp me to death in. So, anyway, so, so.
1: Did you feel me getting ready? I'm like, right. So I don't want to
0: have it. But my what I what I really hope for because it's my podcast. I don't need to get stomped to death. Uh, <laughs> someday in person we'll have a drink and you can stomp me and and I will appreciate it. Um, what I really want is. For just some younger folks all throughout the country to take charge of their hometown, because the system is in place to do that. And for whatever reason, and I know what it is—it's because folks in my generation and the beginning of your generation all went to college and they came out and they all were just burdened with an anchor around their neck of student debt, and they couldn't—they didn't have their evenings free to go to council meetings. But man, um, our our system is structured in such a way that especially on local levels, there's flexibility. And hopefully one of the things I really want out of this movement are for people to show up and, and take charge locally. Um, I think that's a myth,
1: Kip. I really do. Like living in a, living in a more rural, like uh, city with a small town vibe and like seeing over like since 2016, you know, younger people like doing that and trying to do that, um, yeah, I'll be brief, but you know, whiteness is still in charge, you know, and so like it's not I'm not saying it can't happen at all, right? Like uh of course anything can happen, but like um it's still it's still the system, you know, and so like that kind of strategy is interesting to me because it still centers it still centers the system it still centers, right? and still censors right. It's like, okay, so why aren't young people well you literally just named exactly why that's not happening.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: so you know when they when they get off from their third job, you know I worked three jobs for many, many years, you know, and so it's like uh then they can do that, but it, it they're not who's who's paying you know who's paying their rent who's doing all this stuff for for the energetic and emotional and spiritual and psychological lay labor and impact that it has on anyone but especially bipoc to put themselves in those positions, I am a 1000% advocate for the end of black and indigenous and other people of color putting themselves on the altar as a sacrifice to a temple that white men built, you know? And so I think that like white quote unquote allies, please feel free to do that, that local you know, stuff and try to do that, all that is harm reduction. If we wanna talk about it in terms of harm reduction, I'm on board you know, I I want these babies to be safe. You know, I want these concentration camps to end. I want all this stuff. And if this is how we need to do it right now, you know, let's do it. This is life and death stuff, but it has to be rooted in that understanding that that's just harm reduction for what is life and death. And that's why we need abolition now. I feel like I just did a campaign ad. I'm not running for office.
0: (laughs) Maybe you should. Um, I love you so much. You're the best. Um, <laughs> I need to sign us off because my puppy is right now biting the hell out of my children. Um, oh my God. It's okay. It's okay. That's what puppies do. And that's what children do. Um, please let folks know where to find you. Um, if you haven't figured it out, I love Ari. They're great. Um, they put me in my place, which I need all the time. Um, <laughs> let folks know where to find you, please. And I'll sign us off
1: yeah so saltwaterstars.com on instagram saltwater.stars on twitter saltwaterstars underscore on facebook saltwaterstars <laughs> basically search saltwaterstars so it's not really there's no other astrologers with that uh business name so you can find me um yeah that's what's up so i do horoscopes readings workshops all that good stuff
0: they're the best and remember A little nonsense now and then is relished by the wisest men.